This week we read The Adventure of the Barrel Coronet. In which we learn that you can commit pretty much any crime you want as long as it hasn't snowed recently. It's true. That's actually on the books in Minnesota still. Mm -hmm. That's why there's so little crime in Minnesota. Have you seen Fargo? I thought that the second those words left my mouth. foot all my buddies welcome to the final pod of the only sherlock holmes read-through podcast approved by the fda for the treatment of throat spiders on wee and gout i'm your first host who's not a goat ghost old cw and joining me is handsome lizard boy detective special argonian agent scale cooper what do we read this week scales all right so this week we read the barrel coronet a story which i almost completely forgot about until i reread yeah. it but then i did remember that's it very super hard. understandable uh, it's not memorable. <laughs> it's really not. Um, it's it's unfortunately quite similar to The Noble Bachelor in that the biggest part of it is just Holmes doing a lot of stuff off screen. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> like it's this a real episode, I'm going to stand here and tell you the whole of everything I did. I really feel like this would fly pretty well as a TV episode where you could yeah. see a lot of it. Like, it would be great, but you can't, and so it doesn't. Yeah, it's a lot of it takes place in the snowy times, and that mm-hmm. always makes for, you know, uh, really visually interesting stuff. Um, yeah. It's not a terrible story. It's just, it really is like The Noble Bachelor a lot, it, where Doyle just decided, well, let's see how contrived I can make this and still make the machine work when I hit go. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, we open with Holmes and Watson, they are sitting, they are a people watching and a weirdo spotting from their uh, picture window. It is so snowy and so beautiful in London town, parenthesis, if you are inside and warm and not mm-hmm. a homeless Dickensian urchin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, it starts out, Watson's looking out the window and he's like, oh, that's, that's kind of sad. There's some madman out on the streets who's family let him what is it what is it? his family it's sad that his family lets him wander about by himself or whatever and yeah uh and that's their client obviously yeah holmes holmes says holmes says i rather think that he is coming to consult me professionally i think <laughs> that i recognize the symptoms which is really funny because just the implications of that are great where it's just like he attracts a type you know and like it's it's kind of a human thing because I, I think all of us, if we really look at ourselves, we recognize that we kind of attract certain kinds of people in our lives, like mm-hmm. certain kinds of friendships. And that's not, that's not a commentary on the people themselves so much as like the shape that we occupy and can fit into. And Holmes has just like accepted and embraced that, yeah, I, right. this is what I attract. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even it totally makes sense as a professional person because like his job is so weird and specific that he yeah. almost exclusively deals with stressed out people. And yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, it it makes sense. It it really does. Like, I don't know. There's there's just a demographic for every job if you really think about it. Like, attracts a certain type of clientele, but not a hundred percent all the time. But in general, I will just say the people who come to the specific coffee shop that I work at, which whose name will be redacted, um, for privacy, typically older middle aged white women. Typically, not right. Obviously, not all the clientele are that. However, most right. of them are. You've 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 got a market, and that market is Karens and Brendas. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so this guy comes into their house, and 
he is extremely stressed out. It takes a few minutes for him to actually calm down. He's so stressed. So obviously we're like, all right, something really bad uh, just happened to this guy. This is a tonal note. We, we've talked a lot about how Holmes is either a much deeper character than we get examples of or is just really inconsistent from, you know, story to story. Mm-hmm. And that's a question of in-world or out-of-world characterization. But, like, this man arrives. He is in such distress. He is banging his head literally against the wall. And Holmes, like, puts on his customer service voice. You know the one. Yeah. I, I didn't even know Holmes had one of those. Mm-hmm. And he he's just soothing this guy and showing him real human empathy. Yeah. And, it, like, he uses specifically the voice you use on people who are borderline hysterical. Right. For reasons that aren't, that aren't apparent to you, but you're, you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, one story ago, they were laughing at a man for being redheaded and being <laughs> duped by a con. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, what? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> What's the distinctor well, here? Like, why I is mean, this? <laughs> okay, to be fair, the guy in Redheaded League was confused but he wasn't necessarily stressed he was kind of like yeah that's he was in a pretty good he was a pretty chill guy in general like yeah he was angry once i started laughing i mean anyone would be but like he was definitely not at the level that this guy is of just gone that's a point this guy wouldn't even be able to talk to them unless holmes calmed down a bit yeah. yeah, he's he's hyperventilating, yeah. ventilating, hyperventilating, <laughs> which is when you uh, when you take a level and bard. <laughs> yeah, and he explains that he's upset because his private and his public affairs are uh, threatening to collide in a way that could destroy quote the very noblest in the land. Now, here's we're gonna get into this in a second, mm-hmm. but I think this I think this is one of those stories. That doesn't necessarily suffer, but that we maybe didn't appreciate as fully as we could have for a couple of cultural reasons. Yeah, almost certainly. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. Because, like, I I wasn't exactly bored, but, like, <laughs> good God, did this not grip me. And right. it's because I didn't, have a, I, I didn't have a sense of the stakes in play. Yeah, yeah, same. It's, like, 14 pages long, and I had to read it in three installments. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's a dragger, man. And it's this gentleman is called Alexander Holder. He is of Holder and Stevenson, the second largest private bank in London. Now, this is a time-sensitive manner. Mm-hmm. And so he, with no explanation, he rushed over right after he spoke to the police. And the police inspector suggested uh, that he recruit Holmes instead. <laughs> and now this is the most fun I had in this episode, Yeah, in this story, was picturing... This gentleman coming up to Lestrade and saying, help me, I've, I'm in a terrible pickle. My rich people problems are rearing their heads and no matter how much money I throw at it, it won't go away. <laughs> and Lestrade just saying, hey, go go ask Sherlock, I'm, I'm taking a day off. Right? He's just swamped with all these other problems and this guy comes in and he's like, listen, I really just, am not, I do not have the time for this. You know what you do? You're going to go to my associate over there at 221 Beat Baker. And just, like, <laughs> having a total, like, Ferris Bueller, like, Greg Lestrade's day off <laughs> throughout the rest of the story. I kept picturing, like, ah, oh, he has deductions, magnifying glass. And it just cuts to, like, Lestrade going to a cricket match. Lestrade <laughs> attending a pottery right? class. Lestrade taking a nap in the park. He takes two days off and Holmes solves, like, one of the biggest cases of his career or whatever. And he comes back and he's just like, god damn oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
I didn't even think of that. He totally goozled himself, didn't he? Oh, that's so good. But that's that's what that doodle was that I sent you. I was just thinking of Lestrade being very serious, like on a carousel or a roller coaster. That's really good. We'll post the doodle on the Twitter. But I sent this to Nick, and it's just a picture of like a, a stone-faced Lestrade on a roller coaster. Just go, wait, <laughs> having a time in me life. <laughs> I love your voice for Lestrade. If we ever do a radio play of any of these stories, you're hired. I'm gonna go rent one of them swan boats. Because <laughs> those definitely existed. If the underground exists, they obviously had roller coasters too. Okay, so that's that's the thing I've wanted to talk about since I started reading this stupid story. It's really good. Um, tell us tell us more about Holder and what's up with him and his terrible life decisions. First of all, before I even get into that, his I need to say this. His name is Mr. Holder. And he's holding something for- I just had to, like, I'm like, was that intentional? It had to have been. It had to have been. Because, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. St. Lin-Manuel himself, said openly, No, Hamilton did not actually punch the bursar, but he couldn't resist the rhyme. <laughs> and I think, I think that's what happened here, is- Doyle's Doyle just, was like, just well, like, this guy's job in the story is to hold the coronet, and he needs a name. He's Mr. Holder. It's like, it was almost, it almost sounds like a placeholder name until he could finish the it story. Really does. And then he got to the end and he was just like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and oh, by the way, to clarify our confusion at the end of the last episode, it would, it would, it would appear after some research mm-hmm. that yes, a, a coronet is a crown. It is not a coronet, which is an instrument and the holy symbol of the trickster god Harold Hill, or indeed a cormorant. Which are why you can't leave your fries unguarded at the museum. You were so convinced it was a musical. Wait, a what? What about fries? Yeah, I was. I was really convinced that it was that because I got cornet and coronet confused. Uh, okay, as I think is understandable. Okay, so this guy comes up. He's telling his story. So he starts out and he explains that. I, you know, here I, I'm giving this to you. You 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 tell him what he's. Okay, you be the client this time. So. As a banker, a big chunk of his bank's income is loan interest and security uh, from noble families. Mm. So they hold and insure and own, like, the, the financial rights to uh, a bunch of valuable shit, as I believe is the technical <laughs> financial term. Uh, paintings, uh, jewels, sets of plate, which I assume means, like, plate armor and not, like, yes, yes. Queen's Jubilee I believe and, so. like, collectible plates. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes sense. Mm. So the day before, Holder receives a visit from an anonymous but famous and very powerful client who got straight to business in asking for a loan of 50,000 British pounds. Now, this is around the same time. This was written roughly at the same time as the last one we actually did some some pound math mm-hmm. on. And I, I did the I did the math here. 50,000 pounds at that point in history mm-hmm. is equivalent to 6,300,000 pounds or $7,930,000. Whoa, okay. Yes. The stakes so are huge. This cat yeah, this cat is walking in and saying, you there, loan me $8 million just because I'm telling you to. Right. So apparently any of his rich pals could have helped him out here, but he prefers to keep it a business matter in order to avoid obligation, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually pretty smart. Yeah. So he, Holder says, oh, what have you got up to, got to offer up in collateral? We need stakes. We need, you know, something to secure this loan. Mm-hmm. And he offers up the titular Beryl Coronet, which is a golden crown mm-hmm. set with 39 of the finest barrels the world has to offer. Now, a barrel, Nicholas, yeah. 
is uh, contrary to what you would think, not the name of a uh, TNG era female Betazoid, but in fact <laughs> are a large family of very pretty crystals and gems that include uh, emeralds, aquamarines, and mashish. Uh, they are pretty diverse, and let me tell you right now, looking them up yesterday to make sure I knew what I was talking about, eight-year-old mm-hmm. Casey uh, would sell his everlasting soul without hesitation for <laughs> any one of them. Because, boy, howdy, did I not realize I still had that crystal hound uh, <laughs> activated in me. But, good God. The dragon gene. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, sm- the smaug sequence. The ooshiny gene. Um, so, this crown, uh, 39 of these barrels, uh, it's easily worth twice this loan. It's The implication is that it's literally priceless. Yeah. And what that term means... Because that's that's thrown around, but what the term priceless means is that it is so singular or rare that it, it wouldn't even be possible to set a market price for it. Like, it would literally right. crash any economy that it was put into. So, this is the point at which any reasonable person would say, is that yours to give as security? <laughs> right, like, is this, like, doesn't it belong to England or something? Like, honestly, I think, okay, see, that's the thing. I, I did a lot of research into this. I spent probably half an hour trying to figure this shit out, and boy, did I not come close. So <laughs> I, I honestly think this is one of the reasons we didn't enjoy this story very much, because as near as I can figure, there is a thing in England mm-hmm. where there are valuable properties like uh, like actual like real estate and paintings and stuff. Yeah, sure, like castles and shit. Exactly. Yeah, medieval. Uh, yeah. That are owned by the country but not by the royal family or something it's very complicated and uh honestly didn't make a lot of sense to me but it's something we don't really have an equivalent for in america and i think that's the implication here is that this was something that belonged to england and i think the implication with that is that his client was a royal yeah i mean he would have to be with that much just ridiculous unheard of amounts of money they're operating on a level that is not even close to that average just like totally different sphere of existence yeah these are numbers this is these are amounts of money that should not exist right (laughs) so there's whatever and this is another thing that that arthur conan doyle does very well he's created a side character whose story is so much more interesting than what we get why does this royal, why does this important person need this much money? What does he need it for? for? Yeah. What did exactly. he do? Exactly. What did is he kill? the story there? Who's he What's bribing? What's going on, yeah. we're, like, we're just pushing aside the whole rest of the story. Like, exactly. who's this guy, though? Explain, Doyle. We're just stuck. We're stuck with this stupid peg-leg crown story. Right. Okay, so ex- extreme emphasis is placed on Holder's discretion and on the safekeeping of the coronet. And Holder has... <laughs> this was another fun moment. Holder, with no amount of fact-checking, no amount of verification uh, of the item itself or of his client's identity, has his cashier count out 51,000-pound notes just right there. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Sounds legit. Bring this man $8 million in cash. <laughs> it's just... Which is bonkers. Yeah. He immediately regrets it. He has the lender's remorse instantaneously. Right. I mean, I would too. Absolutely. And then he does the dumbest of all things, where is I... Honestly, okay. I really thought about this. If I were this dude, I would have just... What would you have done? I would have just left the thing... I just would have not said a word. I don't even have this thing. I've never heard of it. Left it in my safe, yeah. my professional safe yeah. that's, like, made for keeping things safe 
in my job, which is my job, I would have just left it right. in my office and just not said it. Like, yeah, your assistant's gonna know, but whatever. Like, it, he's employed with you too. You can trace him. It's fine. But this dude yeah. is like, nah, I'm, I will feel personally better if I bring this home and put it in my, like, wardrobe that has a basic lock that any Jack could pick. It's like, what, what's yeah. the thought? Pro- like, I get it, but, at the same time, I really don't. Like, it just seems... He he literally takes it home and puts it in his bureau. Like, in his, his sock, sock drawer, basically. Drawer. Yeah, he's like, no one will ever... Th-. Yes! And then immediately tells his niece and nephew <laughs> that it's there. Yes. Like, he just like, oh, yeah, all utmost discretion. No one will... Like, I won't breathe a word. Immediately goes home and tells his family. It's like, dude, what did you expect? I don't feel sorry for this guy. If I'm being extremely generous... I could see the argument that, like, he doesn't just work at this bank. This is his bank. He's one of the partners. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, his name's on the building. Yeah. Yeah. If you and I were in this position, we would say, you there, my superior, please take this and also the responsibility for this situation (laughs) out of my hands. Please make this the business's problem and not my personal problem. Mm. And he doesn't have that option. Yeah. So I can see his his judgment kind of being clouded by that. But even then, just a a real (laughs) knucklehead move. If you're, I mean, yeah, sure. Even if you're, okay, the take it at home, I can forgive. But- you don't tell anybody about that. You just don't. Don't tell anybody. You don't. Don't tell. See, that's the thing. It's not. It's not like a situation you need to deal with forever. You just need to. Because they even the rich client said he'd have the money by Monday. It's four days. Like you really. It's four days. That's not hard. Just forget about it. Just treat it like anything else. And honestly, that's that's the real crux of the thing <laughs> is that he's too worried about it being a special thing he has to protect. If he just treated it like any other piece that they were using as security, mm-hmm. then it would have been fine. And we would have had to read this story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he goes home and immediately gives a rundown of his, uh, house staff. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's telling Holmes the situation, uh, and he's going into detail to carefully not omit anything that might be important. He states everyone who works in his house and lives in his house, which are a groom and a page who sleep outside, so they're automatically not, you know, yeah, they're kind of exempt. Out in the snow. He's got in the snow, yeah. I guess, or in the stable. I don't know how that worked. Um, but and then three maids, one of them who is new and who is Miss Red Herring, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. And then he's got his uh, son Arthur, who is a professional disappointment, and <laughs> yep, <laughs> who has just like kind of just bad friends, gambling debts. He just goes to a club all day and that's it. He doesn't really, he kind of just, he doesn't really do anything. And then his niece who he adopted from after his brother died and who is just Mm -hmm. like the light of his life. And her name's Mary. And then there's another guy involved who is the friend of the son. His name's Sir George Burnwell and he's just kind of bad influence. He is a bad influence. But what's interesting is that like, even Holder admits that, like, that guy's a bad influence, but he is also a fascinating dreamboat. Right, Like, exactly. he even says at one point that he's, like, drawn in mm-hmm. by by his manner and such. Yeah, his, his son, Arthur, is... He says that his son is, yeah, professional disappointment, <laughs> but it's... He admits to spoiling him, and we say spoil, and, and we think, like, oh, he got two Power Rangers when nobody else got one Power Ranger. Yeah. But, like spoiled as in the sense of this child has gone off (laughs) right he says when my dear when my dear wife died i felt that he was all i had to love Mm -hmm. and he couldn't deny him anything after that which is actually really kind of sweet and it's a surprising mea culpa 
I mean, honestly, this guy, I'm really glad this story ends how it does because this guy and his son obviously have like real love for each other and right. he really doesn't want it to be like he he doesn't want to believe that his son is a bad person he's like oh you know well maybe it was my fault a little bit and it kind of was but it's like he really isn't ready to just turn on him just like that like any chance like immediately when after he's done telling the story holmes is like you know what i don't really think i'm he's he defends the son kind of from the get-go where he's like, you know what, he could have yeah. been, you know, it, it, it might he might not have done it, and he wants, and the guy wants to believe him, but he's like, I don't know, I it just it just seems really suspicious because basically what happens yeah. is uh, he locks up the coronet in his drawer, goes to sleep. The, I think that very night the son had been asking him for some money to cover gambling debts, like he usually does. Yeah, you say some money. <laughs> Oh, a ton of money. This guy, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, he didn't say, hey, dad, let me hold 50 from you for the weekend. He said, dad, can I have two? He actually called him dad, which was odd to me. He didn't say, like, father or papa or right? anything. It was dad I twice, know. which is very strange. I think... Maybe it was meant to imply how little a kid he was. I don't know. Well, no, because he's an adult. He's... Well, know. I meant, like, infantilize him, because he is immature. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, that could be. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But the point is, he, he says, he says, let me have 200 pounds, which, and again, I'm not 100% sure I'm doing this math mm-hmm. right, but I'm pretty sure I am. That's $31,000. Yeah. These are some rich people with rich people problems. <laughs> yeah, these, these are, and there's a real, there's a real conversation of... Uh, privilege and classism i think we, we've, we've talked about it in a couple episodes that you could have about these stories that arthur conan doyle kind of didn't didn't really intend yeah, no, but yeah. there's there's a bit later on like okay uh, spoiler something bad happens to the crown this <laughs> man is in trouble arthur gets blamed for it mm-hmm. and like at one point at one point holder says i have lost my honor my gems and my son in one night and he's just so broken by it that like even if someone does live this incredibly like privileged white bread castle top life yeah like anyone anyone who loses everything they have is still worthy of pity oh I yeah think. oh yeah for sure absolutely like because he's not a bad guy yeah no he's not he's rich he's really not yeah he's just doing his job as best as he can really yeah not um, it is also it is also perhaps worth noting yeah just because like when he when he lists off this suspect list mm-hmm. of you know people in the street because that's what it is right oh yeah um, he notes he notes that mary has turned down uh arthur's hand in marriage mm-hmm. um at least twice yeah to to holder's chagrin for as we all know the function of a good woman is to fix a subpar man child <laughs> yeah right yeah, he's like, well, if he just got married to Mary, they'd be a hundred percent better exactly. person. She would everything would be perfect. Right? Babies yeah. ever after. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so what happens in the middle of the night, Nick? So, um, middle of the night, he wakes up, and from his point of view, all that he sees is his son Arthur with the coronet in his hands, looking like he's trying to pry it apart and pry some of the jewels off of it. And when he, right. I mean, immediately confronts his son about it, like, hey, you know, you're a thief, you're stealing it. And the son says, well, the crap, and son. the son immediately denies it. No, I'm not. And then he calls him a liar as well. And then the son just kind of like shut, clams up completely. He's just like, yeah. no, he he doesn't deny anything else because he just kind of stops talking. He's like, well, if you're not going to believe me, then I would just won't say anything else. But the dad or the dad at that point is basically 100% convinced that the son did it. Which is not 
unreasonable. Honestly, yeah. If he he just woke up and saw him holding it, yeah. It's, it's pointed it, out shortly that a lot of things about this don't add up, but like you wake up and you see somebody who just asked you for money holding a, a rich rich it's guy thing. Extremely incriminating. Yeah. So so that happens and then he basically calls the cops on his own son because yeah. they can't find there's a piece <laughs> of the crown missing um right. from the top. And three of the barrels. And three of the barrels. Uh which even just those three alone are worth just ridiculous amounts. Worth five hundred horses, right? But and by this point, <laughs> the whole the whole house is awoken, and mm-hmm. Mary rushes in, and for the f- I think the fourth story in a row, <laughs> um, Mary faints at the sight, yeah. just like of the cr- of the busted crown and Arthur being upset. That is apparently enough to <laughs> mm-hmm. enough. It's too much. It's enough to overwhelm her fragile, presu- presumably consumptive constitution, right? <laughs> She the amount crumbled. of things and that can just knock people out in Victorian times is yeah. very long. <laughs> you know, it's true. There was so there was so little oxygen in the air, is what it was. And <laughs> meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Greg Lestrade has discovered a little hole in the wall called Benny Hanna. You're gonna write a whole side story, aren't you, about just? I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I didn't. You know, I didn't really think I'd enjoy the combination of Eastern cuisine and showmanship, but let me tell you, when that gentleman, when that bloke <laughs> flipped that shrimp into my mouth, I became a believer. The hour I first believed <laughs> was also the hour I saw Flaming Onion Tower. I'm gonna go back there every weekend. I'm just picturing him sitting across from Holmes and Baker Street, like, just getting sidetracked from talking about whatever the case was. And Holmes is saying, like, oh yeah, and then I watched... Just talking about Benny Hanna. Like, oh yeah, I was walking around in the snow in the streets, like, alright, well that's nice, but I found this restaurant. You gotta Let me go. tell you, you're, you're the great detective, right? Then why didn't you know about Benny Hanna? I'm just saying, <laughs> it seems like something that you should... No, you're in, you're in with all them types, with all the cooks and the people who do this stuff for the rich people. Why didn't you tell me about Benny Hanna? It's got everything I love. It's got fried food, it's got people throwing knives around, I don't have to yell at anybody. It's swan boat adjacent. <laughs> Sherlock, I'm going to stop sending business your way if you don't start telling me about more ethnic restaurants. Have you eaten British food? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You, you would assume that this is the kind of stuff they talk about in their downtime. Yeah, you know, Everybody's it's, it's right. friendship. You, you, yeah. Yeah, you go to the, go to the restaurants. Well, how do you think he knew about the swan boats? It's <laughs> because Sherlock one time took him there. It was a magical afternoon. <laughs> oh my gosh. You just are Dylan right now today. <laughs> you guys swapped souls without so telling lucky. me. That's both Sorry, a compliment just, and an insult at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's a compliment. It's a complicel. Complicel. Okay, dope. So what else? What else is what else is going on? Yeah. So he uh, three yeah. barrels missing. Go. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, where did we leave off? I forget. <laughs> Not a lot, dude. There's just there's so little that happens in this story. So Arthur Arthur is hauled off. Holder says, "Yo, son, uh, cop to the crime, and we'll call it square." Like, I love you. It doesn't have to be like this. Right, he's kind of like, just tell us. I'll forgive you. It's fine. You know, you're my son. Just, exactly. just tell me you did it. Which, and son's like, I'm not going to tell you I did it because lie. I didn't do it. I mean, yeah. all of our parents have done that. We've all gotten the just tell the truth and, you know, my disappointment will be punishment enough. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, they go to his house to check out the premises and they arrive. Holmes right. um, looks, uh, he, he kind of goes off by himself and just presumably makes the rounds of the whole 
outside yeah. of the house, the yards he and sure everything. Looks and around. He yeah. looks around. We don't really know what he's doing out there. We find out later he was looking at the footprints in the snow, which basically helped him solve the whole crime. Uh, but we don't hear about that yet. Um, <laughs> and nope. he, uh, and then he comes back and right as he kind of comes back into the house, the daughter, sh- or no, the, uh, the niece shows up, Mary, and yeah. she is looking very stressed. We're kind of given an impression of her as just a very competent, person she's very like you know she's just a good solid lady yeah holder holder describes her as his right hand right hand yeah he's half owner and operator of the second largest private bank in london so presumably she is a person of some steadfastness right and she it's kind of just implied that she kind of runs the house for him or at least like helps him run the house as much as a wife would do and um She, so she shows up, but she's looking very pale and upset. And you don't really get, and you get, and you have a conversation between Holmes and her where he's asking her about, uh, she apparently saw the, one of the maids go out and talk to her boyfriend, uh, and that's what she was looking at when she, you know, was looking out the window as she was closing down the house for the night, the night that the coronet was stolen. So obviously she was Mm -hmm. meant to, she's trying to incriminate the, the maid as much as possible um and yeah so they they have that whole exchange and it's kind of just you you get a tiny hint of like maybe something's up with mary during this conversation where she's looking very pale and there was something else where i i think she he oh holmes mentions that the boyfriend of the maid has a wooden leg and Mm -hmm. that causes her to become stressed out like she she gets kind of scared visibly when he says that and yeah, and I, he doesn't he doesn't ask. Like he doesn't ask for confirmation or anything. He just says as if it is a known yeah, thing. Yeah, he just he drops says it with that. confidence. Assumedly to get Which if a you drop someone's her. wooden leg, just pick it up, hand it back to them. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't be rude. That's right. All right, well Nicholas, uh, before we finish this episode up, I think we need to take a little station break. This episode of The Final Podlum is brought to you by uh milk. Just, just delicious. Milk. Just milk. It strengthens your bones. You know. If you can't yeah. have milk, they we recommend it. They make lactose free milk. Exactly. It's great. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing. Oh, boy. I have never met a person lactose intolerant who took their lactose intolerance seriously. You know have what? You? That's fair. As a person who has lact- who is lactose intolerant, you got me there. I eat I'm just saying, like I have... <laughs> yeah, I have never seen a person to say, oh no, I cannot, you know, eat this, eat this delicious cheeseburger because it'll, it'll give me whatever. <laughs> what does it do when you're lactose intolerant and you do the lactose anyway? Does it make it so you can't see the color green? Does it okay. make it so, Here's the thing. does your I'm credit about, rating go I'm down? I'm about what to explain it? lactose intolerance to you. There, first all of right. all, in the defense of people who ignore their lactose intolerance there are levels there's people who if they drink half a cup of milk they will die not die but like they get very very stomach achy very tummy hurt right and then there's severe gastrointestinal distress like in my particular like and it's it's kind of random what will affect it for it varies from person to person like for example i could eat a cheese sandwich and feel okay right but if i drink a cup of milk or even half a cup of milk horrible stomach pains it's huh you know they both are they both have dairy, but for some reason, cheese is no big deal, and milk is very big deal. Basically, what happens when okay. you're lactose intolerant is, for example, if I drink some milk, it would my my stomach doesn't make whatever the acids or whatever that break it down, so that milk is kind of mm-hmm. just rotten in my stomach. Ooh, and, yeah, that's and awful. Oh, it curdles horrible. when it comes into contact with the, the yeah. with the stomach acid. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So. 
But again, only when I drink milk. It probably happens a little bit when I have cheese, but just I don't feel it, so I continue to eat cheese. Right. Um, but yeah, so well, yeah. that's yeah. So that's basically how interesting medical side note here. <laughs> well, now we know. Yeah, now we know. This medical side note brought to you by the final problem. So <laughs> Sherlock Holmes he examines the coronet, um, which even though we know it is a crown, I still I still think it would be a lot more fun if it was a cormorant. <laughs> but uh, he's flexing it, you know, he's fiddling with it, and even with it's like L.A. Noir where you're holding a clue and just turning it around in your <laughs> exactly, yeah. Even with his uh, or Skyrim, dude, you're playing Skyrim right now. How do you not you rotate the like you look in the back of the dragon claw? Oh yeah, same thing. Yeah, I learned how to do that for the first. For the first quest, I didn't nice. know you could. What are I you to... playing Skyrim on? I'm not playing it on the PC, but with an Xbox controller plugged in. Okay, good. That's yeah. that's the way to do it. Yeah, I yeah. can't. All I right. can't use a keyboard with games. It's no. just no. I tried really hard one time totally with fair. Bioshock, which was the worst game I could have possibly tried that with. Because yeah, no, that's that's not a good. <laughs> constantly a good being call. spooked Man, as well as really good. It is. I've heard a lot of people talking about Skyrim this week, which is great. Like as soon as I started playing it, people just appeared. Yeah, it's there's there's kind of a thing. I I get the itch to play it about once a year, and I've bought it probably four or five times, just <laughs> you know, on various systems. And it's it's always worth it. And I always try to play uh, something different every time I try. Like this time I'll be a fighter man, or this time I'll be a straight magic face, or yeah. whatever. But like I always end up just being sneaky, stabby, shooty man, and it's. Uh, it's all good. But you're an Argonian, aren't you? You can breathe underwater? Yes, that's actually part of why I picked that character, because I nice. wanted to just... I, I'd i never really played a game... I, I usually just pick very linear games, where it's like, you can beat it in a few days. Uh, like, right. my favorite series is uh, Bioshock, and those games are all kind of like, you have to do a certain amount of things. And very straightforward, sure. And I like that, because I don't really like to spend too... I don't want to... I, I easily get absorbed into things and then it just never lets yeah. me go. And so the reason I never really played Skyrim because I knew how open world it was and I was like, if I play this game, right. it's gonna consume my life. So I had to wait until right. I was at a certain point as a person, developmentally, that I knew I could handle playing it in like increments. And now I was. So I've started it. Yeah, I'm playing Argonian because lizards are good. Um, lizards are good. Lizards are very good. I am... I, I usually... In games like this, like in Dragon Age and all those different kinds of, like, I usually am just kind of like, I just want to be a knight, I want to hack people with my sword, I want to block with my shield, and that's it. But this time, I got to the part where you, you have the three pillars where it's like, one of them's magic, one of them's sneaky, and one of them's, like, short sword and shield or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 one of them's fighty. And I was still getting a hold of the controls, and I accidentally hit the mage one and activated it. And I was Buddy. like, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing magic. And my boyfriend was like, no, no, you can, you can pick another one. It's fine. I'm like, nope, the fates have spoken. I'm, I'm a mage now. Nicholas, <laughs> Nicholas, this is very serious business. I need to, I need you to look at me. I need you to tell me the truth and not spare my feelings. Are you playing a lizard wizard? I am playing lizard McWizard. Yes, I am. It's great. I am You're a, a great dino time. sorcerer. Oh, oh this God. is so good. So yes, this is so the good. The best possible way to play Skyrim. I am playing it like that. It's. I'm having the time of my life. It's great. You are living your best life, old son. So All right. Anyway, so best back lives. to the barrel yeah. <laughs> God, sorry, guys. It's just this story did not give us a lot to work with, and like when it's this is something we encountered with because like in when we did the very first story, the 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 study in Scarlet, 
I was worried we wouldn't have much to bring to the table just because it's a really good story. And it just felt like Mm -hmm. we were kind of just recapping what happened in it. But that's because we were able to because there was a lot to talk about. But Mm -hmm. with this, I I feel like the less there is to talk about in a story, the more (laughs) it is incumbent upon us to just goof. (laughs) So The Nick and Casey show. Exactly. It's kind of inevitable. So... Sherlock, um, like, like so many lizard wizards, is examining <laughs> this coronet, um, which I believe gives him immunity to fire damage and, uh, also lower prices in all shops. Uh, yeah. and even he, with his, with his very good strength rating of at least plus six, he can't bend the thing, much less break it, and even if he were to do so, it would sound off, it would snap like a gunshot. Which would yeah. have woken uh, Holder in the night, who was a self-proclaimed light sleeper. So, right. and honestly, all of that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, what makes sense is how little the story, as given, makes sense here. Arthur's actions mm-hmm. don't make sense for either a guilty man or an innocent man, and mm-hmm. uh, the the whole thing's just not coming together. So, Holmes and Watson, they're gonna go home. Uh, he doesn't know where the gems are. They still believe Arthur is innocent. Um, they go home, and in the meantime. <laughs> Holmes has literal carte blanche. Nick, are you familiar with the term carte blanche? Yeah, doesn't it doesn't it mean blank slate or something similar? It means blank check, my friend. Oh, oh, okay, yes. Like free yes. range, so he, money is no option exactly. to solve this he case. He has literal, yeah, to do whatever he needs to in order to uh, reacquire these jewels. And th- this is another, so... The essence of drama is conflict, and the seed of conflict is tension. And mm-hmm. I think this is this is part of where this story kind of fell apart for me, and probably for you, is because we don't understand what's up with these jewels and this crown. Yeah. We don't understand what the significance are. We don't understand why this is a tense situation. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a tense situation because it's a valuable object. It's someone else's property that was damaged mm-hmm. and stolen. But, like, what what is it that separates this from any other high-profile crime is not really made evident to anyone who isn't familiar with how the Crown Jewels national property system works. Right, and again, and it's kind of just like, it's one of those stories where it starts out and it's, it, it, basically what happens is it's it's made to look like it's one person and it, but it's actually a whole nother person or right. whatever and it's like you but you but then even that is not really it doesn't really work that well because you know from the beginning that the son probably didn't do it because holmes is saying he probably didn't yeah. do it and you're like well i'm gonna go exactly. with what he says and but you're not yeah given it's a lot of anything it's until it's kind of like all of this happens he this guy comes he tells his story that takes up half the story and then sort of nothing happens. And then right at the end, Holmes is like, well, I went out, I did this, this, and this, and I've solved the case. But you don't see him do any of it. Yeah. You just hear him telling Watson. No, you it. don't. Like, you just it, get told about it. It's a, it's tell, don't, don't show, which is the mm-hmm. exact opposite of how storytelling is supposed to work. He does at one point change yeah. into, uh, hobo disguise number 17. He yeah. makes a sandwich and he puts the sandwich in his pocket unprotected. Right? I was kind of like, I I have to imagine he at least wrapped it up in like a cloth napkin because that's a thing people did. But it doesn't yeah. tell it. It doesn't say that he did that. So he Suspension might, I of disbelief. I, he, I, yeah. Holmes got some questionable food sanitation yeah. habits there. But if it's winter and it's cold enough, what's it's not going to melt. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Refrigeration pocket. Yeah, fair enough. The fridge pocket. They don't have Ziploc bags um, yet, you know. 
No. And it's it's not that this isn't it's not that this couldn't have been or wasn't a good story. I think it was just at the wrong angles. To, it was told at the wrong angles to make itself interesting. I feel like almost any other perspective than the one we got could have made this a really interesting story. Like I, the son really Arthur. Think, yeah, I, I I honestly think even if it had been first person from Holmes' point of view, I think Watson. Yeah. The, the fact that all the stories are narrated by Watson kind of ruins this story because if it had been just yeah. Holmes. Watson honestly doesn't really do anything in this story at all other than come along. No, you know, like, but if this had been told from Holmes' point of view, you would have gotten, like, the whole scene where he's uh, talking to the guy who bought the coronet and, you know, just him talking to the, getting the clues out of the guy at, uh, you know, the the, the friend, the troublemaker friend's house. uh, And it's just like. uh, Burnwell. Burnwell. Mr. Burns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lord Burnwell. Right. Exactly. And it's just like, you don't, you don't get any of that. You get secondhand accounts and it's just told like that. And so you have to just kind of imagine it for yourself. But it's like, that's where all the drama really was. Like, it would have been neat to see how, like, what kind of questions Holmes specifically asked this guy to get, you know, or like how he managed to get the information. Or I don't know. It would have just, I don't know. But then that doesn't No, happen. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's it's that like the the framing device of having the stories essentially be Watson's memoirs is is great. It's fun. It mm-hmm. you know, it makes these essentially epistolary novels like and Dracula it works a or lot like in, uh, in other stories. It does. Yeah. It the does in other Watson stories, but for this know one everything uh it makes for drama and tension at some points. Exactly, but when Watson isn't doing anything, when he's not involved, it makes the whole story... The whole story is just one box. It's just one room that people come in uh, and then go out of, and it's mm-hmm. just... I, I don't know. It it doesn't... I think I think Doyle just kind of goozled himself with his own format, and, and, you know, ain't no sin. It's still sold better than any book I've ever written. Right, So yeah. So meanwhile... Lestrade has discovered that there is local to him and at very reasonable prices a hula hoop class for fun and fitness. And <laughs> did you make a list of all these things? He was a little Lestrade. self-conscious at first with the yoga moms and all these people. But once I got past yak, I discovered once my my hips loosened up a little bit, I can do the scorpion. I can do the I can do the the whoopsie doodle. It's you know. I'll burn 400 calories. Me Fitbit said so. It's it's good exercise. The uh, the police force doesn't always... You're not always chasing down criminals constantly. You gotta do something in your, in your spare time. Yeah, for real. No, you gotta... Well, and honestly, the cardio is what's really... Is what's really important. You gotta burn off... Burn off all that... Uh, burn off all that Benihana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> so... So, uh, the next morning... <laughs> Uh, Holder... Holder arrives. So, Holmes... Holmes is doing something Holmesy and mysterious, which, again... We don't get to see. Watson essentially mm. sits there and waits for Holmes to come home. Mm. And he does. The next morning, Holder arrives. Oh, no. Mary has left him. That's not suspicious at all. Especially <laughs> right. right after he told her that all of this was her fault and she should have just married Arthur. Mm-hmm. She left a note to the effect of, I'm sorry I ruined everything forever. Don't look for me. Goodbye forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is weird uh yeah so he he shows up and this has happened and holmes kind of breaks it to him that yeah she was seeing uh sir burnwell and he's this huge just crimesman scamp who he's a cad you know yeah who just seduces women and like he's like a serial seducer basically and he got her to he convinced her to uh 
steal the jewels for him and now she's run away with him and it wasn't arthur's fault so you should go forgive him immediately (laughs) exactly no he is he is a he is a rake who Mm -hmm. has uh who has drawn her in with his gambler's wiles and his crime ways (laughs) and holmes holmes describes burnwell as being quote without heart or conscience which like coming from holmes i feel like that guy should be, like, put down for the human good. Right? Like, that's pretty scathing, yeah. Like, yeah. how many other crimes is this guy... Is he gonna show up again? I, like, you know, he seems like his own... That's another thing. It's like, this is another really interesting character. I want to know about this professional gambler turned rogue. <laughs> that's an interesting villain. It's like the guy in the Red-Headed League, the guy who said he had, uh, you know, royal blood and all that. This is another side character whose story, or who, at least whose perspective, um, was much more interesting than the one we got. And right? I frankly would have liked to have seen more of that guy. Yeah, it's like in the stories, you kind of get this... You get... Doyle is just, I don't know whether accidentally or on purpose, creating this underground... Cr- where, like, all these cool criminals that are just, like, yeah. operating on their own levels, and there's just a lot of them. They're, like, their own league of, like, supervillains out here committing yeah, crimes. The and World Crime League. He interacts with them constantly, but it's, like, because he's on the side of good, you only really see it from the good guy side. You don't really ever see right. him, like, in the crime world, really. It's like he dips into it only to, you know, tie things up here and there, but you don't ever get him really like just going head to head against someone specifically. Actually, you know what? That's not true. You do have a couple of stories where you get these really cool characters like this guy and it actually goes into what one of them. um, I can't remember. It's something about I think it's called the Master Blackmailer where the the villain actually gets developed quite a bit over the course of the story okay and it's awesome and we should probably read that one next because it's really cool but um oh but yeah yeah i was just gonna roll for it but yeah yeah. so okay it it all it all comes to a close um they have mary and burnwell have uh absconded they have made good their escape which also i want to read that story right where are they going (laughs) yeah and it's it's really easy it's really easy to read a thing and say, well, it would have been a lot better if you did this instead. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's kind of the privilege of the audience, I suppose, is is to just point at that and and kind of be be snobby jerks about it. But (laughs) um, yeah, they've they've gone off together and the the son is forgiven. Um, Arthur saw Mary pilfering the coronet, followed Burnwell, a struggle ensued, which is how the crown got snapped in the first place, how the barrels got broken off. He Mm. was trying to straighten it when Holder woke up and found him. Arthur didn't say anything about it for his love of Mary. You know, like a chump would do. You know, there's no getting around it. They're cousins. They're they're cousins. That was a thing back then. That they would just yeah. marry their cousins, their first cousins, because it was his brother's son. I, I'm just like I was cool. trying to figure that out. Yeah, I don't know how the first second distinction works. Yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. But she doesn't that marry him, so a it's a lot fine. of hemophilia. Yeah, no, she marries a crimesman yeah. instead. So that's, I can sleep yeah. tonight. Um, yeah, that's so much better. Um, <laughs> but anyway. and then Holmes finds he finds the gems. Uh, he hunts down Burnwell, and Burnwell has already sold the gems. Um, well, and we forgot. Like, one of my favorite, just frankly, asshole moments. Holmes's characterization is really weird in this story. Mm-hmm. But, like, he says, he brings he brings Holder into his parlor and says, Okay, 
I'm going to need a check from you for 4,000 pounds, which is just so much money it's inconceivable. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, okay, I'll do, I'll do anything, whatever it is. Yeah, I'll write it down. And he, he does so. He writes him out the thing and he hands it to him. And Sherlock says, okay. And then he just walks over to his desk, opens a drawer <laughs> and pulls out the jewels. Such an unnecessary power move. Right? It's like, you really think he's like, okay, I'm going to go bribe whoever stole these or whatever. And then, no, he just has them. He's like, this is my check exactly. in this case. He just was sitting there just that gone. morning over breakfast. Like, how much did I, I mean, how much work did I really do? How much is this worth? Yeah. You know, what was cab fare? He's over here like, you know. Of my time. What about <laughs> Lestrade came by with something he painted at Color Me Mine. I can't really count that time on the case. That was personal time. He made me a really good mug. It's his world's best frenemy. <laughs> I don't know. I just saw the mugs on the shelf there and I thought, you know, maybe I'll paint like a little a little garden ducky. Little ducky to go into water. But no, no I saw the mugs. And I thought, you know, who's always who's always drinking the cocaine? He said Sherlock. And I thought, yeah, it's, you just use something to drink your cocaine out of. So I made you, I made you a friend of me's mug. You know, it's a, it's a thoughtful gesture. Just yeah, just take it. And I've got one. I've got one too. And you know, the twinsies pals. <laughs> exactly. So, so <laughs> um, and and then the story just ends. Yeah, as so many of these do. Uh, Holmes says that he's sure wherever Mary and George are, they'll get what's coming to them, <laughs> and that's the end of the story. It's so vague. It's just, I mean, to be fair, like he does kind of. You gotta get that really quick. Like when Holmes confronts Burnwell, he's like, "Okay, so here's here's how much these are worth, or whatever." And he's like, "Ah, oh, dang it, I right. sold them for." Six hundred dollars or whatever, you know, like way less. Yeah, so he, which, which was pretty good was, because crime good. is stupid. You gotta get yeah. to see a little bit of immediate satisfaction of him getting somewhat punished I for, you know, I guess. I just feel, I just feel like Doyle just ran out of paper. Like he was like, oh shit, <laughs> this is the last page, right? He's like, oh man, I was gonna write this whole well, scene where he, he threatens him, and all of a sudden now I don't have time. Oh well, I'll just have no, him tell no, Watson well, about it. Here we are. Well, I think I think most of the. To give, like, Doyle some credit. We kind of trash talk this story the whole time. But to be fair, I think Doyle is, as a writer, definitely more focused on emotions than sometimes plot. And I think... Oh, yeah. No, no. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he was obviously, from his point of view... Well, not, maybe not obviously, but I what I think is he... He was, he meant for all the drama to be like, oh shit, Mary was actually the bad child and not Arthur. And that's like right. a huge surprise plot twist kind of thing. And yeah, exactly like, yeah, the opposite of what we thought. I, that did, like, that, that did land, but that was kind of, I don't know. It was just, again, there was so much more interesting but stuff. No, and, and to be fair, there was a lot of characterization. There was a lot of characterization of Holder as being, uh, like you mentioned, a really loving father who didn't didn't know how to connect to his son after after his wife died and his answer was just throw money at the problem mm-hmm. which led to arthur thinking that's how you get through life which is how he ended up being a gambler in ridiculous debt right the thing is like as much as as much as he needs the jewels to be safe for his you know professional life whatever the the true desperation is clearly that he will pay any amount of money, that he will do anything for Sherlock to prove that his son is not guilty. Right, he that's just wants the, his son that's the back. Real, yeah. Exactly. That's the real driving force here, is yeah. that he regrets. And and see, that's the, that's even the thing, is when he, he said that horrible thing to Mary about how she should have just married Arthur and, like, done the right thing. He He even says that he said it in sorrow and not in anger, which doesn't 
mean <laughs> anything. I mean, I- impact over intent, obviously. But right. what he what he meant was that, like, if only everybody could have been happy instead of this sequence of events into which this object was thrust that caused this whole thing to collapse on yeah exactly and honestly if you think about it too from like the son's perspective it must have really sucked for him to just have no real relationship with his dad other than being spoiled by him and then he adopts his niece and the niece becomes the dad's best friend so it's like exactly not only is he kind of not getting along super great with his dad but there's another person who's like a a child to him who's being you yeah. know treated even better just waltzing in yeah yeah so this story kind of ends was, yeah it, it kind of ends with right. a, when when i look at it when i look at it from the perspective of the story really being driven more by and about emotions than about the plot and what actually happens it becomes a much better story and i'm really glad you brought that up mm-hmm. yeah I'm a lot more willing than most people to look for things to like mm-hmm. about stuff that is generally considered to be not good, yeah. like, y- you know, bad movies and right, similar. Yeah. I'll, I'll salvage a lot because it's something that somebody worked on. Um, and I was, I was kind of ready to write this one off, but I'm really glad you brought that up because, mm-hmm. uh, Mary was very upset and like the real, the real driving, uh, hostility, the, 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 the force of negativity in this story is George Burnwell, who is kind of like the shadow of Arthur. He's kind of, kind of the dark thing that Arthur could become if he, if he gets off, like, onto the wrong path. Right, yeah. Because he's, he's this notorious gambler and he's, you know, led to the ruination of, of many a, a good woman, as is clearly stated. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just, just showing this threat of what, of what Arthur could easily have become. Yeah. And then this whole incident kind of just, it kind of just saves their relationship it's almost this is just the story of these this father and son reconnecting with yeah, each other and i'm i'm always a sucker for that story in a way like it's 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 like the feel-good episode of this season i guess <laughs> when you look at it that way it's a lot better than i initially thought it was and i i think i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i did on that level and again we never find out what that royal guy thinks or what what ended up happening with this busted ass crown there's no follow-up no I mean, there's, there's no story the crown still time. got busted like what's up with are they What's he going to do? Is he going to yeah. be mad? Is he like, are they going to be, I don't, I don't know. know. Huh? It's not Holmes' problem. But I guess that's the nature. That's, yeah, the <laughs> nature of the short story is a slice of time. Yeah. Well, all our buddies, uh, that brings this episode to a close. What's the title of that next one we're reading, Nicholas? I believe it's called The Master Blackmailer, but that could be the name of the TV episode. I will look it up real quick right now, and then we can edit out the part where I Googled do it, it and just pretend that I knew it all along. Um, thanks to mm, production magic. I just like it because um they break into some dude's house. Cool. The ma- <laughs> That's what I remember about it. Oh, it's called The Adventure of Charles Augustus Milberton, who is the blackmailer. That's a good name. Yeah. Okay. Adventure of Charles Augustus Milberton. <laughs> Charles you Augustus heard Milberton. it here first, folks. Yep. Okay. Uh, until next time for the final problem, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us, uh, on Facebook. Please get at us. Let us know what you think about stuff. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what you think about all the memes that Nicholas has been making out of the illustrations in his Holmes omnibus. I'm just laughing because I just remembered what I very just today changed my Twitter name to and I can't wait for people to see it. Yeah. It's, it's special, special Argonian agent, uh, Scale Cooper. Until then, all our buddies. <laughs> Stay sure locked and stay sure loaded. Gun. <laughs> Bye, all our buddies. <laughs>
was that but joke yeah, so about fries, gentleman... though? Hold on. No, I, you're going to explain <laughs> this to corner... me. <laughs> Damn it, Nick. you got to let the joke I, ride sometimes. I don't get the joke. <laughs> I need, uh, a to, it's, it's a, I need you to explain it until it's not funny bird. anymore. It's a seabird. It's a kind of seagull, Uh-oh. almost. Like, it's just, and they okay. eat, they'll steal your fries if you give them the first damn chance. That's a good as soon one. as you turn their, your back, your $9 commissary fries are gone, and you have to wander around the museum hungry and dumb. Museum? You mean the yeah. beach? No, I mean, you go to, you know, the museum, like the Monterey one. So anyway, this guy Monterey. comes out to Baker Wait, Street. Okay, <laughs> with your anyway. So he... The aquarium. <laughs> what is an aquarium but a museum of animals? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I fucking guess. I fucking guess. This is how much this, this is how much this story gave us to talk about. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to this story. So anyway, there's not. 